0: One, two, three. Episode of a holy mess with his holy mess, Father Paul. Uh, I believe this is going to be episode 19, uh, and I'm very happy about this. This is a very special one uh, for me, uh, not only because it's uh, around Super Bowl week, um, but also uh, to be able to interview uh, two very. Uh, special, very interesting people that I got to meet a couple of years ago uh, for a brief time, but a very uh, special time in my own life and my own vocation. I'm very grateful to be able to continue to be in touch with them. That is, uh, as I call him, Coach Kevin Gilbride, uh, who most people know from uh, being with the the offensive coordinator, two-time Super Bowl winner with the New York Giants, and not only him, but his uh, lovely wife, Debbie Gilbride. So. Coach Gilbride, Debbie Gilbride, Mrs. Gilbride, welcome yeah, to The Holy Mess Show. Thank you, Father. Thank
1: you for having us.
0: Thank you so much uh, for, for doing this. And um, I know we were having some technical difficulties, and every, people are used to my show being a mess. So uh, they're very patient and very forgiving of, of me and, and all my guests. So... Uh, I thought we were yeah.
1: down in Dallas stadium and the uh, people down there were interrupting uh, the communications. It happened every time we played the Cowboys. <laughs> I thought it was happening again.
0: That's awesome. This is a, humor is a great thing. And my cousin, my cousin's husband is a huge Cowboys fan. So I'm really happy that you said that right now. It's always and,
1: a uh, coincidence, but it always <laughs> happens.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great with the communications with the Cowboys. Holy cow. Wow. You know what? I'm just going to ask you a question off the bat that I didn't even think about, but this upcoming Super Bowl, who are you going for?
1: I think we're going for Philly. Uh, I'm on Philly. A young man who's coaching the offensive line uh, played for us when I was head coach at Southern Connecticut State University. He was my very first recruit, Jeff Stout. And uh, he's had a great career and uh, has been now with the Eagles for the Last three coaches that they've had, from uh, Chip Kelly to Doug Peterson, and now with uh, Seriano. So he's he's an integral part of the success they're having. So it gives us something special to root for. Even though we got a couple of ex-giant guys over on the uh, on the Chiefs side with uh, Spagnola and Dave Merritt.
0: Wow. Okay. All right. The the, the Eagles. I know there's a lot of uh, where I live in the the upper northern New Jersey, New York City area. A lot of uh, anger today because the uh, New York City lit up the uh, the the World Trade Center uh, with the Eagles colors. Any thoughts on that? What do you think about that?
1: Well, if it wasn't for Stalin, I'd feel exactly the way everybody up there feels. (laughs) Normally we hated the Eagles. But now I got a special connection, so I got to kind of root for him at least, at least in this game. Not against the Giants, but in this game.
0: I'm so happy that this episode is going to take place a couple of days uh, before the uh, before the Super Bowl. I was watching the game uh, the games yesterday all day with my family, and as you know, I admitted to you when I first met you, which we'll get into that in a second. That you know, I'm not like uh, I'm not going to pretend to be a huge football fanatic. I don't know statistics and, and every, I'm not an expert. Uh, you know, I grew up certainly uh loving the Giants. My father raised me and my brother as as Giant fans. I think I told you though, we were Giant fans, but he couldn't afford Giants um uh uh season tickets. So we we, we got jet season tickets because they were cheaper, but we were giant fans. So it was a very uh schizophrenic up uh, you know we were giant fans but we went to jet games it was very weird <laughs> So, um, but just a little bit of uh, uh, introduction, consult- I know some people are going to say, how in the world uh, do you know uh, these two? And a couple years ago, uh, I got a phone call by a friend of mine and said, you know, uh, my wife's, uh, my wife's father uh, has a question for you. Are you interested in being a chaplain for the XFL New York Guardians? And I was like, what? what do you mean he said yeah he's friends with the with the head coach coach kevin hill gilbride he was the um the the chaplain for the uh, for the new york yankees and i heard xfl and i thought vince mcmahon i was a huge wrestling fan and i was like absolutely it wasn't even the football that made me say yes right away i was a huge wrestling fan and um and then i met you and we had a great lunch and and you were so kind enough to welcome me uh, aboard the the team as a chaplain and i'll tell you it it all got ruined because of covid yeah exactly. it wasn't a long season yeah. Yeah. but it was a very cool very awesome experience something totally new and um i i really enjoyed it and i was so sorry uh that covid shut it all down as i'm sure you know we all are
2: as were we yeah
0: yeah but um and now the, the new XFL, I guess, is starting to to take off or anything like that. But I believe from our past conversations, are, you're not involved in, in the new one, right?
1: No, unfortunately, I've had a couple of uh, procedures done on my legs. I've had uh, a couple of, well, three replacements now in the last 12 months. And uh, so it's kind of knocked me off the field for a while anyway.
0: Well, you know, we're going to start off, uh, normally people would say, why don't you start off at the beginning of his career? But I'm going to ask you, you know, because this is a mess and I like to shake things up. You were retired for a couple of years, right, from the Giants before you said yes to the XFL.
1: Exactly. Um, I had no intention of going back coaching. Uh, we, Unfortunately, it, it, as great as coaching is, it's it's all-consuming, and so you miss out on a lot of things in your life, and – There's a lot of things with our kids that I missed out on, and of course Debbie handled everything, and so she was there for anything and everything, and uh, whether it was their games, their their dances, or what have you. So as the grandkids were coming around, I said I didn't want to go through that again. I loved what I did, but I'd had enough. You know, I'd coached in the NFL 25 years. I it it was enough. Uh, So I said, you know, "Let, let let me. Back and just relax, spend time with them, and then I was fortunate enough that I had enough stuff related to still football. You know, we, whether it was uh, working for Pro Football Talk for a year, working with the NFL Network for a year, and then doing the breakdowns for uh, Sunday Night Football for Chris Collinsworth. So I broke down the games for him, reported with what I saw and what have you, and then this opportunity came along. Oliver Luck um, called me and said, "Would you be interested?" And I said, "No." <laughs> and, and then he called back, and then the more I thought about, it, I said, you know what? That's usually what the time of the year—the spring league where we go down to Florida. I didn't want to sacrifice any more time with the grandkids, but you know, we were usually going down to Florida anyway for those three or four months. I said, this is perfect. I get my football fill, and uh, we still don't, you know, compromise the time that we're spending with the grandkids. So, when the opportunity came along, I did say yes, and uh, and it was great. It was—you had a bunch of guys that had been in the NFL or were aspiring to get into the NFL and, you know, weren't there and they were desperate to get another chance. So you had very motivated young men who were willing to do anything so it was very enjoyable i had a bunch of guys coaching with us that that i had coached with previously uh whether it was with the steelers or whether it was with uh the giants or whether it was with uh a couple of the other teams the bills and you know that i had coached with and so we had a bunch of guys that we were essentially friends with you know join with us and then we started slow but we were coming on strong and so we were in first place at the end and cresting in the right direction so uh we we were just as you said it was it was it was very unfortunate the timing with covid
0: yeah you know it it was so fun. I had never, I mean, I had never been on, on a field, on the actual field before. So that was a kind of a, a, a cool experience with me. And I remember, Debbie, uh, right before the, all this happened, uh, you were at mass at my parish and you invited me and my my, my mom uh, to come to the next game, to go in, in, the, in the box with you to watch mm-hmm. it. And I know that was something that, w- that they were looking forward to. Mm-hmm. And then and then this happened. But coach, you know i yeah, you're right i I remember a lot of the the other coaches and the staff that you had really great people, and a matter of fact, I still do keep in touch with some of them uh via text message once in a while, especially when i'm um and i you know what really um got me uh was that how really into their faith many of them were i mean i came to say mass and let me right now give a shout out to our other chaplain for the xfl guardians i don't want to leave him out lionel king so i was the catholic chaplain and he was the um i guess you would say the the protestant chaplain for the new york guardians and lionel king and um he held his services i held my services and and it was a great thing great guy there and um but on my side, on you know the, the the Catholic side, some of the a lot of the coaches that came. Sometimes you would come to my parish, uh, which was about two miles away, at St. Paul's and Ramsey. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll never forget the first time though, that I was supposed to, I, I was supposed to do anything with the XFL. I was told that I had to give a speech to the whole team, right? <laughs> and I prepared. I worked really hard on this speech. I was so scared, and I went. And there was some type of miscommunication. Not with you. There was a, a miscommunication somewhere along the line. And I was supposed to say mass for for whoever wanted to say mass, and I didn't. I didn't even bring my mask. kit. That's I right. didn't know. <laughs> I was terrified. I was like, "Oh, I was told I just I just had to give a speech." So there I am. Those who wanted to come over to the Catholic service came, and I just gave this speech, and I'll never forget, Coach. When I was done, you said, "Great job," and then you said, "All right." I'm counting that. That's counting for mass. That's <laughs>
2: counting for
1: mass. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, that you, was the precursor to this, the holy mess. The holy
0: mess. Uh, as a head coach, <laughs> exactly. uh, Kevin Gilbride spent two seasons leading so, the San Diego Chargers, You know, all right, so your coach, I didn't even leave your bio, guiding um, his um, alma mater I think most of Southern Connecticut are, State University, are, but I'll just uh, read 1980 something right now. And I'm gonna say Gilbride's coaching career began in uh, the college uh, ranks, so well. first as a linebacker's coach at Idaho State and Tufts University, yeah before becoming defensive coordinator at American International University. Following his stint as as head coach at SCSU, he spent two seasons at the professional level as quarterback's wide receivers coach for the CFL's Ottawa Rough Riders and then returned to college football as passing game coordinator and offensive coordinator for East Carolina University. In 1989, Gilbride made the jump to the NFL, where he spent the next 25 years on the sidelines as a quarterback's coach for the Houston Oilers and New York Giants Offensive coordinator for the Oilers, Jacksonville Jag- Jaguars, Pittsburgh Steelers, Buffalo Bills, and the New York Giants, in two seasons as head coach of the Chargers. As Oilers quarterback coach, he worked with Warren Moon, who passed for more than 3,600 yards and 23 touchdowns. A year later, as offensive coordinator, the Oilers scored 405 points with moon passing for more than 4000 yards and 33 touchdowns. As Giants quarterback coach, he was entrusted with the early NFL career of Eli Manning, and as the team's offensive coordinator, the two would combine to win a pair of Super Bowl championships, Super Bowl 42 and 46. Gilbride played quarterback coach, played quarterback and tight end at Southern Connecticut State University where he earned his bachelor's degree in physical education. He continued his studies at Idaho State University, earning a master's degree in athletic administration. Born in New Haven, Connecticut. Gilbride resides, well, this says Naples, Florida, but I don't think you're there anymore, right?
1: Well, no, no, we're there. We're <laughs> heading, I'm heading out Thursday, and Debbie's driving Friday. So.
0: Oh, great, okay. All right, with his wife, Deborah.
1: The operation slowed us from getting down there.
0: For some reason, I thought you were in Rhode Island.
1: Well, we live both. We go back and forth.
0: Oh, that's great! And they have three children together: daughters Kelly, Kristen, and son Kevin, who is um. No, is he's not still, uh, is he still with the Chicago Bears, right?
1: No, no, he just got. let like, he's with the was with the Carolina Panthers. He just they they all just got let go today when they hired Frank Reich. But he's uh, so he for another job. But he's been in the NFL now for about thirteen years, I think. It's been that long yeah. now.
0: Sorry. Okay. But now, now in the last, not, not last, but not least in this mess here, um, Debbie Gilbride is a registered nurse who is the third daughter of four who grew up in North Haven, Connecticut. Kevin and Debbie have been married for 48 years and have six grandchildren. She has handled, I'm going to say this as he wrote it, cause it's hysterical. She has handled all of our moves. I say 13, she says 19 and she is the lynchpin, the, she's the linchpin. She's the linchpin of our family. And uh, she goes to about every other day and has a prayer list a mile long.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. All true.
0: How did the two of you meet?
2: Uh, You know what? The Gilbrides were well-known in North Haven, Connecticut. So Kev was the oldest, and they were like stepstones, um, seven of them. And everybody knew him, and Mr. Gilbride was a teacher. But how we got together was my sister and his best friend, Joe Valentino, uh, we're dating and Joe and Kevin got together and just somehow we, we just met. And um, I was actually good friends with his brother in high school. Yeah. His brother was a year older than uh, a grade older than I was. And so Kevin was two grades older, but um, we got, Joe kind of fixed this up. And my yeah. father kind of helped a little bit. My father was thrilled because he, you know, four girls and then two athletic young men Kevin was a football player and Joe played baseball, but uh, you played it too. But anyways, um, so it was, it was great. Then, I don't know. We just started dating and that was yeah, it.
0: Yeah. No. F- 48 years now.
2: Long time. Yeah. <laughs> Very long time.
0: <laughs> that's amazing. That's a, that's short a-
1: years for me. 48
2: long <laughs> years for her. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know what? The years go by quickly. They really do. Some you, you, days you, are long, but the years <laughs> go by fast. That's very true. So, and wow. You know, uh, yeah, this is going to sound kind of corny, but it was nice uh, looking for somebody. You know, you have your grocery list of what you would like. At least I did, and a husband and Kevin fulfilled most of most of those things on it. Uh, not all of them, but most of them. And, you know, one was my faith. One was I wanted to marry somebody that was Catholic that believed the same way I believed and would continue and, and raise our children that way. Another what I mean, he's you know, very moral. He's um, bright. He, all the things I wanted. I didn't count on a football coach, however. That's uh, that's what I did not count on. But um, we, we adapted. We adapted well to that particular lifestyle. And and it is a lifestyle, oh, and yeah. you agree? <laughs> it's it's different.
0: When you uh, say you get
2: to a place and Kevin would scout out the place and find the best schools for the children. And then I would go and get the house and get everything else and get the kids. I would implement what he started. You know, he would find the place and then we would come in and we would get that. But we were lucky enough that our children did fairly well. When you it's say well, yeah. you know, with um with the moves. Some coaches' kids did not, but ours seemed to adapt pretty, yeah. pretty well.
0: So when you say you weren't expecting a football coach <laughs> did, when you first met, uh, you no, know, because he was always into it or you didn't realize no. he, would get, he was going to coach one day.
1: We thought we were going to be, I, my goal was just to be like yes. my dad. My dad was the, was a math teacher and a football basketball coach. And I, we, he was very influential, not only in our lives, but in, in the lives of, hundreds of kids and that's really my whole objective was to be a high school coach and that was the intent but he died my sophomore year in college and uh, my college coach kind of became you know the advisor that I went to and he just said you know you can always be a coach but I think you ought to try college first Whereas if you start as a high school, you can go to college, but it's much more challenging. Why don't you try and experiment with the college as a grad assistant, and then if you want to come back, it'll be easier to come back as a high school coach then. And so, make a long story short, I never coached in high school. Wow, over 40, 40 something years of you know between college and pros, and never never did coach in high school, which was the original intent.
0: Wow. God, yeah. God works in, in mysterious ways. Uh, and I do want to ask you a question uh, about, about the difference between coaching in college and, and in professional football, but in terms of the the two of your relationship, Debbie, you said you wanted to find somebody with the same faith background. So thank you for bringing that up uh, before I even did. Did you both, obviously you just said you did coach Gilbride. Did you also, did you both come from uh, cradle? Catholic, the, same parish, families?
2: the same parish, um, mo- most of our lives yeah. and then, then, then the split, then it split up. But um like I said, everybody saw the Gilbrides and saw they were in church every week and it just, it, it meant a lot to me for that sort of thing. Now,
1: I, I don't know if, um, we would take up a whole pew. There were nine of us. So cover, <laughs> cover, you couldn't miss us couldn't coming, miss through. The
2: Guild coming through.
1: And I'm right. the oldest of the seven kids. So it was, it was, uh, you know, as Debbie said, it was kind of going down from there, but it was they got smarter as they went along. I, I got into coaching and then my brother, Timmy, got into coaching and then my sisters and brothers, the rest of them became lawyers and CEOs and what do you call it? Real, uh, CPA. CPAs and that kind of stuff. So they, they were smarter. But I think that really truly was a little bit the influence or lack of influence when my dad died, you know, because they he was such an, a role model for uh, for all of us, but he certainly had more of an impact on my brother, Timmy, who just retired last year from coaching basketball up at Bowdoin College for Gosh, four, almost 40, yeah. I think it was 38 or 39 yeah. years. So Long time.
0: Wow. Now, with all the, uh, you know, whether it was the, uh, the 14 or the 19 moves, with, with all the moves with going up the rank of, uh, you know, professional football, eventually a Super Bowl winning team twice, uh, some of the best offense in in the entire world. In terms of, of of your faith, I mean, when you're in that that limelight, or or just in general in that in that business, which we would tend to think maybe you know isn't very faith friendly, and I could be wrong about that. Um, how did you the two of you stay grounded? How did you stay connected to your Catholic uh moral values? Uh, did you make some type of previous commitment that no matter what we're going to continue to go to church or anything or can you speak to that at all? Was it hard? Was it easy?
2: If I may may say something, I feel like that kept us grounded. Um we needed we needed our faith to be grounded to to go with all the rest of the junk that went on in in the different in the different um environments that we had with the different coaching staffs in the different places. And that was already a comfortable, ready-made place to be for me and to bring the kids when I would enroll them in CCE and all that stuff. And then I always like to try and teach or do something with the church too. And that really did keep me grounded and and enhance my faith. And instead of, I mean, you couldn't listen to all the stuff going on. You had to just be you. And I, I've never told anybody, you know, I, I was always shocked when I realized that people knew my husband was a football coach because we never mentioned it. We just went in and said, you know, this is who we are. We're, we're new in the parish and we would like to participate and do that, 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 that. But then, um, so that was kind of a, an eye opener when I, when I realized that no matter where you go, once the name is out there, people are going to know you. And You know, you just treat people the way you want to be treated, and I felt like that's how it worked. I don't know how did you feel?
1: Well, to me, it's it's a great—I uh, don't know if cushion's the right word—support uh, system. Is that uh, when you talk about all those moves, not all of them are by our choice. So a lot of them came because we were on a poor team, and they were you were asked to leave. And so it's nice to have the security or comfort to be able to fall back on your faith as you get through those challenging times. And, you know, it's, it's a long, the season's long. I mean, you're putting in 80, 90 hours a week and, uh, and then you go out and sometimes things turn out the way you, you pray that they will. And sometimes they don't. So it's nice to have a, uh, one steady stable thing in your life besides your wife and your family. And the, the faith is another one just is a great facilitator for, for allowing you to, to do that and, and, and ride out the, Highs and lows, the ebbs and you know uh, that happen inevitably. I mean, even when you have a great year, you're you know you're you're 12 and four. That's a great year that you still lost four times, and and unless you win the Super Bowl, you come to a point in the time where you, you finish the year on a loss, and it's a it, it's a devastating feeling. And again, for us, it was you know sometimes you didn't win enough. You you were asked to leave, and it's uh, you, you got to have some strength, and it's nice to have the a a constant and consistent place you can go, and our faith was a place that we could, you know, depend on heavily.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. What I, what I think I'm hearing, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that regardless of of where you lived or how many times you had to move and and find a new house, find find a new home, uh, you always found the home in the Catholic Church, regardless of where Absolutely. you
1: were. Absolutely. Debbie, Without a doubt. Debbie always taught special uh special ed uh <laughs> religious ed. Special ed was what she taught me. Spe- religious education to, you know, wherever church we were in. She was always involved in with the church and and, and our kids were too, you know, either whether it was
0: uh um know, an altar server altar
1: servers or 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 doing or, the or, what would you say, Eucharistic ministers or okay. what have you. They were always doing something. Uh, so, it was, again, it was something that kept us together, tight and close together. And uh, as you can imagine, like Houston, when we would go, we, because it was central time zone, you know, the game would be at 12, so I could make the five o'clock mass when we were home. And uh, so I'd get there, and we had one priest when I went up to get communion. If we lost, I mean, he, before he'd give me the communion, <laughs> he gave me holy hell. What the heck happened in the game? You know what? Jeez, how'd you do this? How'd you do that? And then, then he'd hand me the communion, and I'd get going.
0: Oh, my goodness. In the communion he line, he would Father say Daly. That? That's right. Father Daly. Father Daly. He, was, yeah,
1: he was great. He was great.
0: Um, <laughs> that's That's awesome. You know, I uh, so I obviously I know that, that there are chaplains for for some teams. So forgive my ignorance. Are, are there are there chaplains for every single team in the whole NFL?
1: I don't know that that's a fact, but I would suspect uh, mo- certainly the majority would have that. Okay, and, uh, it may actually be all thirty two teams, but I, I'm not positive of that fact. Every team we were with um, had somebody that would. Connect now, um, you know. Then what we didn't have a chaplain when we when I first started in the NFL, but they would get us a priest for the away games, and that was always great. And so the Catholic kids on the team and and the coaches would go. And uh, when I went to Jacksonville, that's where Tom Coughlin was the head coach, and Tom that was the first guy that had the priest came in even on our home game. So that was so much so convenient, and then. And you'd be amazed again whether it's Catholicism or some of the other faiths. I'd say I'm going to throw out a stat, and I don't know that this is an accurate stat, but it's certainly over 50 percent. And I would say it's closer to 70 percent, maybe even higher than that, that are going to attend something if it's available to them. Really? No, so they're to, whether it's again whether it's the ecumenical mass or or, or service or the Catholic. Uh, service, yes. you know, most of them will will f- enjoy the. Um, I don't know if it's the, the calmness before the storm uh, or the or the the need to to express the the innermost feelings in the quiet of a of a chapel service or or the mass for us Catholics. But uh, we we again I I, I know over fifty percent. I bet you it's close to eighty percent are going to something. Uh, so there is a definite need for for a relationship with with, with God, no question.
0: Amen. Amen. Yeah, I ran into, because uh, right now I'm working at a cemetery at Gate of Heaven in East Hanover, which is right next to Forum Park where the Jets practice. Yeah. And um, I, I, I went into uh, pliables. I've been obsessed with these pliables lately And uh, a couple months ago, and uh, I, I ran into like four or five of the players there. And I introduced myself and, you know, told them I was a chaplain. They, they all told me that that they go, you know, on their own team, that their team has a chaplain, whether it's the Catholic or the ecumenical. I'm not sure which one, but they, they told me that they all go. And uh, not that I was impressed by that, but that was inspiring. Yeah, that was it. I'm that not
1: surprised. Was- yeah. yeah. I'm not surprised at all.
0: Yeah, and Lionel, t- Lionel, uh, the the other chaplain for the XFL, he would tell me that he would get a lot of guys to go uh, yeah. before the XFL games, and and one of the things that you asked me to do, one of my responsibilities, is that when you you know when we try. when, I, when you were on the road for me to set up, you know, uh, to get you to get for my part to get you a, a priest the same ass the night before the game. Right, you know, which is cool. With
1: with the games, excuse me, it's just so hard with between you know what time the games are. You're having meetings before the game and everything else. If if you don't have the availability of someone that's coming into your you know the hotel that you're staying at when you travel, or uh, it's if you're not careful, you you're it's easy to skip mass. And uh, so it, it 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 solved a lot of problems logistically when there was that you you the extra time to to arrange for us to have a priest or or lyle did to have somebody that would address the uh the the remainder of the team and again uh, at least two-thirds i I, i'll bet you even more than two-thirds three-quarters or more were attending something so even though it was it was a challenge for you guys to find somebody uh it was very much appreciated and it was definitely taken advantage of
0: yeah and it was it was a great learning experience for me and i I was literally meeting priests from all over the country. And I'll tell you what, there wasn't one priest that I asked that said, no, you exactly. know, so it yeah. wasn't one priest and I, they didn't know me from a hole in the wall. Maybe they didn't know, you know, they just knew it was a XFL team or whatever. And uh, it, it was, it was great. As a matter of fact, I had help from a, another priest that was setting things up for the NFL away game. So, and apparently there was this group of priests that people knew all over the country. So it was really beautiful to know that, you know, uh, that this is taken so so seriously. Um, I, I heard a couple of weeks ago, I was at the uh, uh, March for Life in Washington, D.C., and um, Coach uh, Dungey Tony Dungy, was there. Great yeah.
1: person. Great man. You know him? Oh, yeah. Very. He and I were on the rules committee. Unfortunately, my tenure as a head coach didn't last very long. <laughs> Where His lasted a long time. But we were on the rules committee together, and we've known each other for, for a while. And that first year that I when i first retired and i worked for pro football talk he and i did the super bowl together we were the the week of the super bowl we had a you know a show every yeah every day and we were on together and uh, but more, far more importantly than that he's one of the better men that i've been around ever anywhere anywhere right? whether yeah. in football or otherwise and it doesn't surprise me at all that he spent the time and put himself out there for that and then you know and of course then he exposes himself to certain people that are going to say some ridiculous things but uh yeah exactly it's they attacked him for his faith and i thought i thought the comment he made where he where he referenced the reaction of our country to the injury that that safety from buffalo you know experience and the the concern for his life and and equating that to you know the concern for life you know with with as it relates to abortion and, and the maintaining of you know the young women being willing to carry the children to birth to full term whether they kept them or let it go to adoption I thought it was phenomenal. I, I I just I have a great deal of respect for
0: him. Wow. God I mean not wow that you said that but thanks for thank you for saying that. Thank you for your own witness. I didn't even have to ask you to talk about that. Um my my point of of bringing that up, which you made ever more beautiful, was that he made he said a lot of beautiful things about you know um, faith and the, the NFL. But he did say one thing that was like something about because he did talk about prayer that 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 with um is it Darnell Hammond? I'm I'm sorry, yeah. I'm forgetting the yeah. name. That, right, everybody. But he said something about when he was coaching, that, something about they wanted it, he wanted his entire team before and every game to take a knee and pray, uh, on the field. And supposedly the NFL said, if you do that, you're going to get fined. That there was a warning of being fined for, for just taking a knee and praying with the whole team on camera. Now, I don't, I don't know if that's a controversial thing to to bring up here or whatever. Um, but like, is that, does that sound far fetched? Or is that something that maybe you've kind of heard of in your career there?
1: I'd never heard of it, but it doesn't surprise me. I mean, there's such concern about the, uh, the the interpretation of certain acts or certain gestures, and it's amazing some of the things that they allow, and then some of the things that they're a little bit nervous about. And again, that would be one of those ones that would have caused a small percentage of our society to to be offended by it. But they there, if that if there is any Segment or sliver of a, a group of people that would be, you know, show objection to that. uh They're going to be very sensitive to it, and so it doesn't surprise me that they would ask that not to take place. The irony of that is, I don't know that there certainly was no team that I've ever been associated with that didn't say a prayer before the game anyway. It's just done now in the locker room, and so sure. somehow the fact that you'd show it out on the field that that that's going to be offensive and not allowed. Uh, I'm not surprised, but uh, it's disappointing.
0: Yeah, you know, and uh, I know there's many other more there's other faithful Christian besides Tim Tebow, but I you know so I don't mean to just single on Tebow, but my own uh, and I don't I don't believe you ever coached him, did you? No, no, yeah, I didn't think so. But you know, it was funny because you know the guy takes a knee, talks about his faith, gets criticized like crazy in the media. Meanwhile. For the NFL Super Bowl, I can't even watch the halftime show with my niece and my nephew, right? You know, because right. it's just, it's just, I, we just, it's just not appropriate, you know. And meanwhile, but a guy kneeling, you know, saying a prayer, I, I just didn't get that. And I'm not here to poo poo on that, that's not my point or whatever. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about was, you know, the, the good things, the positive things, um, you know, how does the NFL, you know, encourage. Uh, I love the fact that they have the, the chaplains and that a lot of t- the teams have chaplains, but also, you know, in our world today, things are changing and it's, uh, I don't know, it's not all, it's very messy to, to go in line with this. Um, so I was just curious with with your experiences with it. And I'm glad to hear how much your faith was a, a support to you. And no, no matter where you were, your faith was uh, that cushion and uh, that bedrock, uh, especially with being, um you know, moved around uh, so much. Coach, were there other were there other coaches or players uh, that were an inspiration or a support to you that you met along the way because specifically because of their faith?
1: Well, there were a lot of them. I don't. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of. It's funny that well, there's there's a lot of them that are intimately and actively involved in, in you know in the faith. Uh, and again, just just to give you one small example, is that even at the Combine now, one of the things that was always enjoyable to me is that a lot of the priests from around the NFL would get together. You know, they were chaplains, but I'm talking about the actual the chaplains who were Catholic priests. Mm-hmm. And one of the great pleasures of the night would be, they would ask me what night I could get off because usually you're, you're, you're meeting all day evaluating players and then you're meeting in the evening, you know, with individual meetings, with some of the prospective players of the future. But we would have dinner at, at one of the premier steakhouses there in, uh, in Indianapolis and uh, St. Elmo's. And it was, it was one of the highlights of my, of my, uh, you know, week there at the combine, but they would also be there. So that there would be a mass on Sunday, that there would be a chance to go to confession and that they were there for for players, you know, as a special mass for them. And then a, and then opportunity for, you know, counseling and, and uh, inspirational talks with priests, uh, with the coaches. The problem was just the, the limited time you had to, to meet with them because you're working all day and, and into the evening as well. But there they were there. So, I mean, it's a, it's a big part of the NFL. It's just, uh, it's just some of it is, it's kind of kept behind closed doors. I don't know that, as you said, they, they won't allow that stuff to be showcased, but it it definitely takes place. And I'd say, as I mentioned earlier, the vast majority of players are definitely involved with some expression of, of religion.
2: Sure. May I interject something here?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask you something anyway. <laughs>
2: with um, with Hamlin, with, with his injury and what happened on the field, what did most of those people automatically do? They prayed right then and there. I mean, the Anfeld could not say no prayer or anything else, but that's what happened. And that um, to me, God works in, in wonderful ways because I heard more about God from people in that profession than I had ever heard in all the years that Kevin coached talking about you know we're praying for him and and God is with him let's hope God's with the family and i i found that very i found that very encouraging and very inspiring um i don't know whether you yeah. paid attention to that either but yeah. i really felt like um god worked 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 very well through that young man and, amen and
0: and thank you uh mrs gilbride for for saying that because i forgot to to make the point that tony dungie was making he so he said that you know, in the past they were told, you know, if you, if you pray publicly, you're going to get fined. He said, and yet the very thing that the entire world saw when that young man had that heart attack,
2: that's what I thought. everyone
0: yeah. dropped to their knees and pray, yep. which he believes was, you know, I don't want to quote him exactly, but more than a a, a, a miracle that in that moment, everyone saw what was most important.
2: I, I felt the same important. way. And then, then it continued. Then every time you heard it through the week, we you know when he was in the hospital and a whole bit like that, besides the people in Cincinnati, but it was through the the sports world too. Um, they they kept offering prayers and this, that, and the other. And I I just found that I I found, you know, I found the spirit, Holy Spirit won that week. <laughs> so that was a good one.
0: And thank God that he's uh that he's a ca- okay, I didn't see it yet, but I heard that he just made a public statement first time since he's been back. So, uh, praise God for that. Debbie, is there anything within the different teams in the NFL that you've been a part of that your husband has been coaching for? Do they offer some type of support for the wives or the spouses?
2: There's, there's Bible studies. And I have, I've been to most of them at the most of the different teams that there, there were. And, um, Catholics weren't exactly well represented there, but, um, but I, you know, I enjoyed it and I've been to, um, other Bible studies too. Oh, FBS. I I've gone to that and it's, um, I always feel like it's, it's, it's a challenge because sometimes Catholics aren't always accepted and, you know, because they all, they're, they have preconceived notions of what I will feel as a Catholic. Mm. And I said, no, I don't, I don't feel, you know, this, these are my beliefs, but uh, you have your beliefs and they can, we're all Christians. That's kind of how yeah. I felt. So um, I, I found that a way to, um, to also to deepen my faith because it, it made me, um, made me realize that, you know, we're all, we, we're all, we all have some of uh, the same beliefs, but then we as Catholics have different beliefs that I I strongly believe in and think that those are. The important things in life too, and they, you know, and we had we had people that facilitated the the Bible studies, and anytime you're, you know, you go to, we always had different books that encouraged us to to read. Not just it it was it was a, a program. It wasn't just you go in there and sit around and talk. We did a lot of that too, a lot of praying, but um, but it was it was good, and I I miss that I miss that because it's nice to be with people that are in the same situation as you're in and can, um, to look to God, to, to, to help and to, and to be there to be our strength as, as God always is. So that's, that's how I felt about that.
0: And as you're speaking, I'm just thinking how, you know, how blessed your children must've been growing up in that in, in environment. I mean, um, we're not
2: holy rollers like my mother would say, but, um, but I, I've always believed in prayer um you know it, it's I still do it's your prayer is big um it, just general prayer so it's uh it's just the way it is I don't, I don't know how, what they would think but they feel like they're special <laughs> they were lucky I don't know about that but um yeah God is good is all I know so
0: all the time God is good amen amen um, and I got to think, I mean, look, just being involved in some of those games that you were involved in, there had to be a lot of prayer just like right then and there. Because, <laughs> you know, uh, I think football, you know, brings about a lot of prayer even from from non-believers. I, I see people praying constantly on that TV no, screen, know. you know. So, hey, it's it's also serving a purpose, you know. It's getting people to, even if it might be just for the game, maybe that will help open up their hearts for uh, – for something else.
2: Right. right.
0: Um, I have a, a couple of questions here. Um, if you, if you don't mind, um, so, uh, coach, the, the owners, uh, the Maras of the giants, uh, somebody was telling me again, cause I'm, I'm getting some information from other people that they were a very Catholic family. Is that true?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. No, the, the funny part is like we would have mass on Saturday uh, but then they would have mass. the The priest that would travel with us uh, would say mass for the players and coaches Saturday evening, right after our meetings, you know, with the players. And then uh, they would have mass again on Sunday for the Mara families, whoever was there.
0: Really? And,
1: uh, yeah. And so, and a lot of, I don't know if it was every game, but most games, some of the Maras would come and travel with us. And then, of course, if it was a really big game. Uh, most of the Mara family, and that's an enormous family too. I think there's ten children, and so they, they don't bring everybody, but they bring certain couples. Uh, and certainly John Mara and Chris Mara and Frank Mara always came, uh, but occasionally be the sisters too with their spouses, and and then they would be there. And of course, when Mister and Mrs. Mara were alive, they were there every game. Wow. Yeah, he was. They're very. Uh, when when Wellington Mara died. Uh, he, of course, he, they had the ceremony, the service in St. Patrick's Cathedral, and it was filled. I mean, it was jammed, and you couldn't get in there. I mean, it was amazing. And John Merritt told the story that, you know, even here as he was running the team and, you know, taking over running the Giants, that there would always be a message left on the refrigerator. Remember, no, <laughs> no, no Santa without mass and have the list of this of the Christmas mass <laughs> schedule to make sure that everybody was in attendance
0: <laughs> holy cow
2: I if I'm not mistaken I believe the mayor's uh mr. and mrs. mayor met in church isn't that what happened
1: I'm not sure, I'm not sure. I, it I, be. I
2: I don't want to be saying something that I may not be true but I thought what happened was somebody um Passed out, passed out in church, yeah. and I think she was a nurse, and she went and she helped, and Mr. Mara was there too, and he was helping, and that's how they met. I, I, I believe that's how it went. Yeah, I something wasn't sure along, exactly something where along those, yeah. those lines.
0: It, you know, is it speaking about something I, I, I'm not sure for, uh, for sure. Is it true that they wanted a Catholic priest actually on the field during a game? Is that, is that true, that they ha- wanted the Giants, the owners of the Giants, wanted a priest to actually be on the field with the team and the players during the game?
1: I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know that. I'm not positive that. I'd be speaking out of line if I if I said I, that, that, that for sure that was a case. Um,
0: because I think there was, was a was father, Bill Dowd, that was on the field. Yeah, the father, yeah he, yeah, was, there, he
1: was there. But he was, wasn't there for the first few years I was with the Giants. Then he jo- rejoined the Giants for like the last 6 years that I was there um but the, I don't know that he was on the sidelines I know that he you know he said mass on Saturday evening and then again Sunday for the for the Mara family that was there um but was he on the sidelines or not you know what I had a few more pressing matters to be aware of that where no, it, where of course at.
0: I I just was trying to think of how do I incorporate you're just trying, to get, now, You're just trying
1: to get on the sidelines. You're just trying to get on the sidelines You already let me on the
0: sidelines. You already – I've been there. I know. <laughs> I, I was trying to – how do I incorporate NFL, New York Giants, yeah. Captive Faith? Someone said they, they're almost positive that that they were
1: I'm not aware of that. Yeah, I'm not aware of that. No, he definitely was there. He was definitely part of it. Was he on the sidelines? I don't, uh, To be quite honest, I never paid attention.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you. Yeah, you have more present things. But um, by the way, speaking of uh, New York Giant uh, Catholic chaplains, Father Joe Mancini, who was the chaplain from the Giants uh, 2005 to 2007, he told me to tell you hello. Yes. Uh, he remembers you from that time, and he said that you were always at every single mass uh, before true. a game.
1: That's true.
0: Yeah. So he he told me to to, to so tell. So it's
1: our son then, because our son was with us. No, he wasn't there that time. He he didn't join the Giants until the till afterwards. to 2010. Yeah. So, but my son was at Mass from 2010 on till when he left when they uh, when Tom got fired and then uh, Ben McAdoo got fired. So he was there till 2017. 2017. So from 2010 to 2017, my son Kevin was at Mass every Saturday evening as well.
0: Oh, beautiful! You know, did you did you know that my brother's name was Kevin? No. My, my brother's name is Kevin. I, I say is because even though he, he's died, he's still alive. I, I always say is. You know, Thank he's you. in heaven. Um, yeah, my brother, my my uh my only sibling who passed away uh 2017, uh his name's Kevin, Kevin John.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh it just uh hit me. Sorry hit me that he
1: passed away, but I'm glad he's still in your heart.
0: Oh <laughs> every day. He has a, a son, he was uh five when my brother passed, but now he's eleven and he is obsessed with sports obsessed obsessed with football and baseball in particular i i apologize to tell you that he's more of a jets fan than a giants fan but um i you know so but i, I want to say he i'm just so happy that he's so into into i mean he knows statistics he knows player he knows everything he, it, it's he's 11 years old i'm like where does he get this information from does he even go to school i mean so uh yeah, so hopefully he'll have some type of, of, of career in, in the sports. Um, so, uh, all right, two Super Bowls. Um, you're the offensive coordinator. You're calling the plays. Uh, Super Bowl 40, 42, uh 2008. What was that like, your first time? I mean, what, what, what was that experience like?
1: You know, the lead-up – is unbelievable, and then the after the game is is really special. And uh, uh, you know, you just all the things you've you know the 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 battles you've gone through as a family, and it's just nice that a that you're there experiencing it for yourself, but also b that you're you you all the moves that and stuff your wife and kids had to put up with. It's nice that they're and we always took like I took my brothers and sisters and Debbie sisters. So that was just part of the deal that I would pay for them to go to the you know buy them tickets if they wanted to go and then the last time we actually took the uh, yeah, my my fun. my godchildren so I took them as well. Wow. um so it it's fun to be able to pay back those people that have you know essentially lived and died with every move that you made every success every failure. Uh, you're, you're nervous and excited. It's, 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 it's weird because the timing's so much different than a regular game. You know, the halftime's different, the lead up between when you take the field, when you get off the field, when you're able to go back out on the field, everything's just different. But once the game starts, it's, it's the game, you know, like people have said to me, how do you like that? We, as you know, won both games on the final drive, you know, we had the ball. And uh, how do you, how do you concentrate with that? You know, well, if you were worried about the fact that there were 180 million people watching it, you probably couldn't. But you don't think that way. You're just you're zeroing in. What are they doing? What do I have to do to give our guys a chance? You know, what plays do I have to call and that kind of stuff? And uh, it it becomes very much like the you know just like any other game. And it's the magnitude is so much different. But while the game's going on, it's you know. I'll just say this when it's over, you're exhausted, and you say, you, you feel like, how can I be tired? I didn't do anything physically, but the emotion on drain on you is unbelievable. And, but the feeling afterwards is phenomenal. And, and the experience of when, to me, the greatest experience is not the, not the you know the party after the game. I'm exhausted. I'm ready to go to bed. I'm a I'm a party pooper. am a
2: party I'm, guy. Yeah, and
1: <laughs> but when we actually rode down the Canyon of Heroes, you know that that's an incredible experience. That was that's that's beyond your imagination what that would feel like. That's that's an incredible feeling. And then then the ceremony to get your Super Bowl ring is is special as well. But I would say to me the greatest thing is a your your ability to take along the people that you care about to this experience and they're they're doing all the ancillary stuff that are involved with the Super Bowl you're not you're still meeting and going to practice and everything else like you always did uh and then then afterwards it wasn't the immediate aftermath but you know the ride down the canyon of heroes is is something very very special I don't think either one of us will ever forget
0: Did you? All right, so you went in. They were eighteen and zero, I believe. I, I'm just gonna ask. Yeah. Were you guys confident, or were, were you a little nervous?
1: Definitely nervous. But I'm nervous for every game. You know, even at games that were you know supposedly prohibitive favorites. So, but did I think we had a chance to win? Yeah, yeah. I did. And uh, so yeah, funny. I mean, it was uh, we had played them the last regular season game. And they had beaten us 38-35. And but they 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 scored on the last time they had the ball and 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 came down and beat us. But it was a tremendous game, a high scoring game or what have you. But the next time when we played them in the Super Bowl, they played us completely different. That slowed the whole game down. Really? The amazing thing is it stopped us from scoring, but it also stopped them from scoring. So, because you know we held the ball forever, but the big plays were absent because you know they were they played soft, they played zone, they never allowed us to have Plexico Burris one on one until the last play of the game for us, which is mm-hmm. when we threw the touchdown pass to him. So uh, it was it was a completely different game, but I I really believe that there was if there was any doubt in our players' minds it was erased in that last regular season game because we came out of it thinking, you know what? We probably should have won that game. Maybe we could play with these guys. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the catch, the, the, uh, the, I don't know, the helmet catch, David Tyree.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Was that just like a miracle? Was that an answer to prayer? I mean, were you well, shocked to see that?
1: You know what I didn't even think of it that way because to me he was wide open, and I couldn't understand why <laughs> the ball wasn't thrown on time. Uh, I didn't realize that that uh, that uh, Eli was scrambling around for his life; that the guy had a hold of him, and he was having to spin out. They actually misplayed it, and they are playing a two deep a quarter, what they call quarters coverage which means the safety when number two goes up the field is supposed to stay with him. But when he went to the flat, he, you know, to the corner, he jumped them and the corner went with the, with, with, with the guy it was Steve Smith, a rookie that ran the corner route. So he had the safety in the corner standing there and David Tyree was running a post. There was nobody within 30 yards of him. And so I didn't understand why he wasn't throwing the ball. And then I, you know, of course, when you see the film, cause I'm looking at the coverage I'm not looking yeah. at the protection. And then by the time he spun out and saw David and threw it, the far safety, Rodney Harrison is the guy that came across and hit him, and he jumped up and grabbed it and was bringing it down. And as he brought it down, because of the way he was hit and the way that Rodney was trying to pull the ball away from him, it caught on his head as he was bringing it down to his body. But he had the tenacity to hold on to it and keep it. And uh, it was probably the most celebrated catch in the history of the Super Bowl.
2: Okay, now I will tell you what David's wife said on the the bus going back to the hotel. David's mother had just recently died, and she said that was his mother holding that ball on his helmet. Wow! So that's what my belief is—that mama helped help that boy uh, hold that ball on his helmet.
0: I, I love this. It's sorry. gotten
1: out now, but not many people knew it at the time. He Couldn't catch a cold that week in <laughs> practice, he dropped everything yeah. we threw at him. It oh, was amazing. See? So
2: it was his mother, it was a little intervention there, but, cool.
1: he, but he caught heavenly, he caught that pass, and plus, he'd already caught a touchdown pass earlier. <laughs> uh,
0: I love the fact that he immediately wrote a book called More Than a Catch, uh, um, uh, about his life and uh, and about his faith, yes. Um, yeah. he, and about his faith, yeah, he became friends with a good friend of mine named Justin Fatika, who runs a ministry called Hard as Nails Ministries. And David Tyree also wrote the forward to one of my friend's books um, okay. about the faith. So that was really a beautiful thing. So that, all right, so that you just said it was absolutely unbelievable, amazing. Now, when you win again, uh, so the first time you win the Super Bowl is it is it a different experience when you win a second time? Is it is it does it mean just as much or you know I mean I, yeah. Um, that's my question.
1: <laughs> yeah, I get. It's, I think it was a shock to everybody in the yeah, world, but us. The first one, the second one, I don't think. I mean, to be honest with you, I thought we had the better team and we were dominating the game. We just weren't getting ahead of them. A couple of times we jumped out early and we're going down for another score. They made a terrible call for Kevin Booth for holding, and we would have we would have been up seventeen to three, and it just. So it just seemed like everything was working against us, and in that game, maybe the catch, is the second best catch I ever saw, was the one Mario Manningham made up the sidelines. But already two times early in the game, he was stepping out of bounds as he caught the ball, or we would have scored another touchdown. So you know, it was a game that I thought we should have won more easily than we did. Uh, I don't think anybody was surprised that we won that game, the second one, but. It's still uh, the culmination of a tremendously, you know, a lot of work, an incredible amount of work and, and uh, sacrifice and effort by players and coaches and, uh, and the organization in general. So uh, it, it's a, it's still a pretty special feeling. I don't know if it was any less. It's like people yes. ask you who, who do you who do you like best of your children? <laughs> They're different, <laughs> but you love them. You love them. You love hey, them.
0: there you go. I, in terms of faith i mean are you just does that just turn you to the lord and just like it filled with gratitude for these unbelievable accomplishments
1: yes yeah definitely no question i mean it just yeah so many things have to fall into place for for you to be in that position uh from the time you were young to the you know, chance to be in pro football the chance to be with a good organization and good players and you know, the coaching staff that's able to you know organize and you know orchestrate Mm. the whole thing so yeah there's so many things have to fall into place for that to to occur I mean the best example I give is right after we won in the 2007 season the 2008 season maybe it was our best football team and then you know some things happen at the end of the year one of our players shot himself in the leg and all of a sudden you know the 12-1 team lost the last three games and going Mm. into the Super Bowl Uh, into the playoffs that year we were rather than rising up we were going in the wrong direction and yet we beat every team that was in those conference championships this weekend we beat them all three of them at their place so I mean we knew we were the best team so it was a tragedy not to have won that year uh so to answer your question yeah you you know all that has to occur uh to 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 you know, finish on top. I mean, you had to have a good team, but you ought to also be playing well at that time in the year. Sure.
2: It's totally amazing, I think. I mean, when you think of all the games and all the things that can happen that, that you make it to the Super Bowl, it's 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 indescribable, really. Um, and as a wife, all the years that he put forth in coaching and worked hard into this, it, it was nice to have him be able to have two Super Bowl rings as as the offensive coordinator for the New York Giants because growing up we were giant fans you know it was, really? it was oh yeah but we're from connecticut and um i was one of four girls so my you know i would watch football with my father and we were yankees and giants and your family too right yeah, yeah yankees yeah. and giants so i mean it just everything was just right on target to to what i would have said would have been the perfect thing wow so it was yeah it was great it was great and, and our children enjoyed it and yeah. and that was that was good. It wasn't always easy for the kids growing up with their father no. a, a football coach um, Texas was tough because they're they everything they do they do with such gusto and everything but then they they felt like they could say whatever they wanted to the kids and particularly our son used to get a lot of flack from teachers, parents you know you're talking not just kids ridiculous things that they said to them. So the kids um, never did much complaining, but but they did put up with a lot. Yeah. So for them to have the joy of of seeing the Super Bowl and participating in a lot of the activities beforehand, now Kev couldn't, but the kids and I did. Um, it was it was great. It really was great.
1: You'll appreciate this. We got a granddaughter. Our oldest granddaughter <laughs> is tomorrow. having her 18th birthday tomorrow. Just tomorrow, but she celebrated two of those birthdays when she was. Uh, at the Super Bowl sites. So those are pretty special. Two
2: birthday parties there. Yeah. Really? So yes. Is the post I was just gonna say her being 18 now, she had no idea that it was special when she was on the field of the 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 new Dallas Cowboy field. She had no idea that it was special that she would be able to go and see the big balloons for the Thanksgiving Day parade that her grandfather took her to. I mean this was just what she did. And so there was a lot of opportunities um, that they that she had, particularly because of Kevin's being able to 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 get these things done and to be you know where he was, that she was too young to appreciate it. So then when she was finally old enough to appreciate it, he retired. Yeah. <laughs> so she she would kiddingly say, well, pop, you make it because wherever we go, people know Kevin. Uh, it's just the way it is. Be it in Rhode Island, Connecticut, New York. Pretty much throughout the country, people know who he is for some reason. <laughs> for and, some uh, reason. she's always like, "Ah, oh, they knew you, Pop. And so then hmm. then it wasn't quite as often. So one day, a couple of years ago, right?
1: Uh, what what well, exactly did watch. she say? She, it was about two or three years after so I funny. first retired. And, uh, you know, she she would just stand back and watch She'd people come up, attention. ask for your picture, you know, take a picture with you or sign on or whatever. <laughs> And finally, somebody came up somewhere. Oh, I think we were over Block Island, and she was kind of like shaking her head. I said, "What are you looking at?" So, well, I noticed you've been losing your popularity. <laughs> so it was kind of nice to see somebody come up and recognize you again. I said, <laughs> <"Okay>, <laughs> all right. In fact, people oh, actually, when I did a pre- the press conference for the XFL, they said, "Well, what? You know, why made you come back?" I said, you know what? My oldest granddaughter was finishing my stories before I could finish them. So I said I either needed a new audience or new stories. So I figured this was a chance to do those things.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you're talking about your grandchildren because one of the notes that I wrote down before we even had this session was like, I was thinking, well, what are my memories? What are my questions of you know the, the very short time that we spent together? And um, one of the things that I wrote down here, it says, I heard that you said that you just wanted to spend more time with your grandchildren when we were talking about your retirement. Um, and, and my question to you was, uh, why do you think that family has that type of effect on us when you have this unbelievable type of career in the limelight? And yet, family, you're, you're willing to, to let go of it in a certain sense, or, you know, because you want to spend more time with, with your grandchildren and with your family. It's just something that I was reflecting on. I always like to pray before I do an interview and, um, you know, just kind of think like, what, what should I ask? And that, that was one of the things that, that, that I thought about.
1: Well, I, I would just say this, Well, go ahead. You can talk first. I mean.
2: well, I, no, you family is always important. And, um, and that, that was on my, <laughs> that was on my bucket list of people too. Of things I wanted in in a husband, somebody that would be dedicated and loving to his family, that that would welcome children. And and that was that's who Kevin is. So that's just, you know, families, be it me and our kids and our grandchildren, our extended family, my sisters, his brothers and sisters. We have lots of cousins and nieces and nephews that we're all very close to. So family's kind of that's just it. Family's important to us.
1: I mean, I loved the job. And I did, and I and and I do miss certain aspects of it, you know, profoundly. But um, it's it still was, you know. I, I would, you know, people say, "Well, that's great." You know, you 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 got a free moment. You're here to see your kids play, or you. And I was thinking, you know, <laughs> how many things did I miss because of the job? That it was it was always, you know, a special occasion for me when i could be in attendance at a, one of their games or you know escorting them to the uh what was the homecoming okay. the homecoming uh whatever they're, they're in the court and you know <laughs> escorting them out onto the field and stuff that i could do that because of so much stuff i missed um and so it was just as much as i love if i'm in the game i'm i'm gonna compete and i'm going all the way and that's just the way it is and and that means there's they're, they're going to have to sacrifice because I'm not going to be there for a lot of stuff. But at a certain point I just said, you know, I'd rather, you know, I've, I've done it. I enjoyed it. Would I, would I do, still enjoy it? Absolutely. But you have to make a choice. And at a certain point I just said, you know what, I, it's time for me now to, to, to do the things that need to be done with them and, and spend time with them. But, you know, the competition's unbelievable. I love that. Not a lot of people don't, I do. Um, but uh, I would rather spend time with them, watch them, you know, do the things that they're doing, whether, whether we're going to our, our grandson's four years old now going to watch his gymnastics or, or whatever. It, they're goofy things, but I enjoy, we enjoy doing them. So it's, it's whether it's uh, the dance stuff, I still have a problem with, but <laughs> other, other than that, I, I like everything. Else. And,
2: and you know what else, Father Paul, um, our children didn't our children always knew if he had a choice he'd be with them not so much a lot of the coaches kids that uh, throughout the years that i had met and known they thought that their fathers always thought their job was more important than they were our kids i'm i mean they knew that their father's job was important to him but they always knew that his preference would be with them If if i'm not saying that right if given the choice if if um that's yeah. what he would rather be. His heart was always with them, I guess, is how I'm trying well, that, to say, how yeah, am I trying to say well, it. I'm not saying the, what, it right. What
1: he, what they, like they have said, whenever they've had, been asked to get up to speak at something that where I was being honored or recognized, they would say, my dad didn't make a lot of stuff. He would miss this or miss that. But we always knew if he could be there, he, he would. would. And, and if so he had important. his choice, he would rather be there with us than whatever his responsibilities were yeah. that were requiring to miss it so it sometimes actually made me feel worse rather than better because yeah. it just kind of accentuated what you, i knew that how much i was missing but it did comfort a little bit to it, know that they felt that way that if i had my choice if, if i could i would be them i right. would be there right. and, I, and that is the truth and that's what people oh that's nice that you come and i would say well it's not like it's a. Uh, a chore, a chore for me because yeah. that's really what I'd rather be. That's what I want to be. I want to be. As, yeah, yeah, I want to go watch the, whatever it was. You know, the, the basketball games, or football games, or soccer, whatever.
0: Did the off season provide some time for that? Or are you yeah, still crazy? Quite.
1: Yeah, he was, was
2: able to coach our son's uh, baseball, baseball team. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was it. <laughs> that's why I think he liked baseball the least of all his stuff because I was badgering him. But um, not really. Yeah, but I could go like I even in the, you know the. Soccer down in uh, – up in the northeast is in the fall. But down in Texas, the girls played. It would be Saturday. right after – yeah, it was spring. So I could go, you know, come January, February, even though it's so much warmer down there, it'd still be cold. You know, some of those Houston, you know, winters, you know, be late January, early February, and you'd be sitting in the stands watching them play. But it was fun. I enjoyed it. That was – it was fun. That was, it was it – was, it was, it was, again, it wasn't like it was an – an obligatory th- assignment it was something i wanted to do that i enjoyed so it was so it was easy so to be honest it was easy for me to do
0: and now your your son filed you into the uh into the business as they say you know i'm much sorry to our hear
1: chagrin. <laughs> much to our chagrin we oh, wish yeah. you- particularly now yeah, just, <laughs> this time of year His staff just got let uh, go y- today
0: y- y- so uh, i'm so sorry to hear that so, all right. Well, I'll tell you team one team. thing. I'm going to do is I'm going to pray now. I'm going to pray that he gets a nice position and gets a Super Bowl ring very soon. Right. So you one.
1: he was with us for 2011. He was coaching receivers then, so he's got one ring.
0: You know, I look. I told you I don't know all these statistics, so he's, I.
2: <laughs> he's got no, one.
0: no, no. That's Good. No, Good. no, 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 no. I know yeah. no,
2: well, that's hard. <laughs>
0: All right. Awesome. My cousins who are like football fanatics, they're going to make fun of me for this interview of some of the things that I don't know. They're going to pick on me so much. They were helping me with some of these questions. And I really want to respect your time. You guys have given me more than enough time. Do, I, do you mind if I just ask you a couple of pure football questions? Go ahead. All right.
1: the expert answer.
0: <laughs> uh, all right. So one of the questions he actually asked, so Mark Kudina, my cousin Jennifer married Mark. He's a huge Dallas Cowboy fan. I told you that already. Uh, but he's a huge football fan in, in general. And one of the things that uh, he asked is, you know, you're in the moment. You, 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 like you said before, you have, I don't know, 100 million people watching. How are you under that type of pressure? How are you actually able to focus and make the decision? How are you able to be in the zone when when it's at its most stressful?
1: Right, you, you, because you're not thinking about those things. You're, you're the only thing you're thinking about is what what are they doing and what do I have to do to beat what they're doing? You know. It, so I know what my players can do. I know what we've prepared all week that that they have shown in the past what their tendencies are, all the plays that we drew up, all the you know adjustments we've made to to handle and attack and exploit the things that they do and give us the best matchups. But the games never unfold the way that they have previously shown. It I heard when I was first starting out as a coach, and I thought it was the greatest line I ever heard. The guy coach said uh, he said I study 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 and I come up with all the answers, and then they change all the questions. <laughs> and that's what's happening in the game. There, there there's constant evolution going on. It's not like you're waiting. People always talk about halftime adjustments. If you're waiting until halftime, you're 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 getting beat. It's too long. You, you better be making your adjustments as you, you're watching it unfold. And so that's what you're you're zeroed in on what they're doing. And then, you know, the things, um, as I say, if you haven't already thought through all the questions beforehand and already formulated what your answers are, the game's going to pass you by before before you realize the game's going to be over. So you've already thought through what you would do if this happened, if they went to this coverage, if they made this adjustment, if this was the blitz, if this was the, the overload that they were going to, to to cause you problems or the matchup up front. Hey, you know, they're picking on the one guy up front that can't, you know, block that particular guy. What are you going to do? You better have already come up with your answers, and now you zero in on what they're doing, and then you make whatever adjustments are necessary. You're always trying to give your guys the best possible chance to be successful, and you're calling based on the play and what weaknesses you have and strengths that they have and how do you compensate and, and give your guys you know, a, a fighting chance. And then if things go your way, you win.
0: All right. Next, thank you very much. I'm going to fire some of these off. Great, great answer. What's well, your answer? Um, What's the biggest difference between coaching college and professional football? Well, they're,
1: better. they're better. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the bottom line is, you know, the, the higher you go, the better they are. And uh, so it's to me, it's fun because you always start at the same place, ground zero, and you build up. You know, from the foundation techniques and fundamentals and understanding the game and go, but it's you go so much further. That's that's the great part of it. And the thing that that uh, you can spend all day with them. There's no so you start at seven thirty in the morning with them, and then you're finishing up at five o'clock at at night with them. And then they go home. And if you got the right kind of guy, if you call him like the, the quarterbacks, so I could call Eli at night, for example you know, maybe 9.30 at night and say, hey, you know, I, I'm getting ready for tomorrow's presentation on third down. And this particular blitz is, you know, we can solve it. That our regular adjustments, you can't, won't solve it, but we can solve it this way. Uh, and and we can solve it by doing blah, 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 blah. Or we can do it this other way. What makes most sense to you? Because on Sunday, you're the one that's going to have to then go to this unusual adjustment to solve it. And Eli would say to me, I was wondering what you're going to call it. He's already looking ahead to what I'm going to present the next day. So he already knew what the problem was going to be. was waiting to hear what my solutions were. And then he would say, if you could call it that, Coach, that's easier. That makes more sense to me. But, I mean, so even from seven to five, that's not enough. Those guys, as soon as they put their kids to bed, they go back to watching more film. Really? Not the same amount of time as coaches, but –
2: they're working. There. They're working. Yeah. They're,
1: They're working. working and so and college kids can't do that. Now they've got limits supposedly to 20 hours a week. Well, you're putting, you know, you're putting 20 hours in in two days for these guys.
0: Speaking of Eli Manning, what was it like working with him? I mean, you were with him in his earliest days. You were literally his quarterback coach. And then, you know, the offensive coordinator uh, who was calling the plays to him uh, for the two Super Bowls. What, what was that like?
1: Well, he's a great guy. You know, he's a great young man and uh, the the Mannings have done a great job raising their kids. And, you know, for a family that, you know, provided their kids, you know, maybe a little bit more than what most kids have uh, presented to them. The amazing thing is their work ethic. They've got great work ethic. And uh, even though, you know, some would say they were born with a silver spoon in their mouth, you would never know by the way they go about their business. They are Mm. as professional as there is. So, I mean, he's uh, you know, I I know the whole family. Uh, you know a little bit. I know Eli obviously very well, and uh, he's a great. The he's the ultimate professional. He's always going to be prepared. He's always going to try to do the right thing by his teammates and and the team he's leading. Uh, he's he's just very very coachable and uh, just a great person to be around.
0: Speaking of of uh, the Mannings, are you? Uh, they have a show and are, are you helping out with that in some way? Their show I on
1: <laughs> Not that they use my material very much, but, they, but I've sp- i am I spent about six hours a day preparing, you know, different sides of the ball. So I'll do like, say, say Houston was playing Dallas. I do Houston's offense on Monday. I'll do Dallas's defense on Tuesday. I'll do Dallas's offense on Wednesday and I'll do Houston's defense on Thursday. And then, Basically, they want okay. Give us the stats, but not not the details that you would present to us if we were playing for you. But just give us the overall, you know, st- t- uh, percentage-wise. All right, they're thirty-three percent single high. They're the, so that they have the background and they're, they're looking at the game film anyway. But they want to hear from me, so I, I'll uh, give it to them. And then you know, they six, want six hours a
0: day. That's almost full time job.
1: It is. And then I'll say then. Then they want to know. All right. How are you gonna? How would you attack team? You know Dallas's defense with Houston's offense, and then the next, you know, how would you stop Houston's offense with Dallas's defense? So basically, game plan first, the way you always did. You know, I used to get up on Saturdays and, and recite to the team. You know. Here's the way I see the game unfolding. We're going to start off attacking this area. They're going to have to make this adjustment. When that adjustment happens, then this is these are the plays I'm going to go to. So then that's going to require them to do this. And when that happens, then I'm going to go to these plays. And so Eli would say, I, can you present it like that? And so that's what I would do. And so they use that usually to get into the game, to the discussion of the game. <laughs> you know, they're just teasing Done. each other and then uh, the, uh, relating to the game. Or relating to the guests the that guests, they have, yeah. but uh, it, I like it because it keeps me into the game. You know, it keeps me you know involved with. Ever since I've been gotten out coaching, somebody's asked me to do that. Sunday Night Football asked me to do that, Chris Collinsworth, and then I did that right up to then. You know, then Eli asked me, so I said yeah. So I you know, so I, I switched from doing it for Collinsworth on Sunday Night Football to doing it for Eli and Peyton on Monday Night now.
0: Speaking of today's game, uh, my cousin's uh, husband, Peter Garlasco, probably the biggest uh, Jet fan that ever existed, uh, but a huge football fan in general, 100%. He was so happy to hear that I was doing this episode. And uh, one of the questions that he fed me was, um, do, you, do you like the direction of today's game, or do you miss old-time football?
1: There's certain things that I like, you know, no question. I mean, when I was with the Oilers, we, we introduced the, you know, the run and shoot and four wide receivers. And of course that was heresy back then and no one did it. And we led the league in passing and the offense every year. We went to the playoffs seven straight years, but we were criticized constantly for that style of play. Well, now it's, everybody does versions of it. Not that, not that they, will, we not but you know, the wide open game and what have you, um, but the fundamentals are still the things that win. The rule changes are in there for for the right reasons. Some of the things I think are a little bit challenging in terms of uh, the way they're interpreted by the officials. Like sometimes, uh, you know, some of the quarterbacks are not getting hit very hard. And, you, you know, they're being called for, you know, you know, what do they call it? necessary roughness on the quarterback and some of that stuff. Um. Uh, Some of the hits in the old days now when you went across the middle as receiver, some of those safeties, when I first started, the Ronnie Lotz of the leagues, the Dennis Smiths of the league, uh, you were taking your life in your hands. And now that stuff's been taken out of the game for the most part. But the inherent part of the game is football is a violent sport. And no matter what they do, uh, you got these massive men moving at incredible speeds uh, that are, you know, are, are capable of generating just almost unimaginable amounts of force. And so the collisions are, are frightening. And so the men that play the game, uh, I, I have the greatest of respect and empathy for what it does to their bodies. That's for sure. But the hard work, the, the creativity and all those things that, that, are, that were in existence before uh, that led to victories are still there. The better players that are, uh, that are, the, better coach than the ones that are going to win Uh,
0: in the past couple of years there was that movie concussion do you think that that's affected the game in one way or another uh did that uh maybe affect the way you you coached or
1: i think there's an effort to take the head out of the game which is probably a good thing but it's also an impossible thing uh Mm. i mean when you got leverage still is the key to who wins the low man wins that's been a a foundational, fundamental point from day one. So as you drop down, your heads come down together, and the, that's always going to be the lead point. Now you're trying to offset so you don't hit with your head first, and you don't lead with your head. But the reality of it is, many of the collisions involve that. And so, um, I don't know. It, um, the equipment gets better and better. The the rules to eliminate the 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 head hunting that once it was commonplace are all very positive developments but uh the game is a is a it's a full contact violent game it's a beautiful game and the great athletes and the some of the 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 athletic feats that are done on the field that you observe are are just mind-boggling but also the 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 reality of it is the, the the physical nature of it is it's a game designed for bodies to collide and when bodies are colliding there's always the inherent risk of, 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 injury.
0: Yeah. Yeah, sure. And uh, obviously, you know, pray for the safety and take that very seriously. Obviously. I mean, the other night they literally just <clears throat> canceled the game because they put the safety first and and the life of this young man. All right. Well, listen, I, I've I really enjoyed talking to the, the both of you. I'm learning a lot. Uh, I'm inspired by both of you, by both of your faith. Uh, I'm learning new things uh, more about football um what in general what's your favorite thing about the game why do you like it so much and just any final thoughts about you know faith god nfl well
1: i think the thing that i probably enjoy the most i mean certainly have the ultimate respect for those of us who played and the ones who are are talented enough and and uh strong enough to play at the highest of levels the guys in the nfl it just it's they're it's great to to be part of that and, and just become second nature watching them perform athletic movements that are just almost impossible to believe that they can do. But the thing that I like most about it is as good as you are individually, there is no other game that is so reliant upon the interdependence of all 11 components. I mean, you can be the greatest quarterback in the world as Joe Burrow found out last night, you know, when, if, if his line's getting overrun and he doesn't have a half a second to throw the ball, it doesn't matter. And same can be said, if you got the greatest line, you give the guy all the time in the world and he can't throw the ball accurately enough, then, then you're not going to be successful. It takes all 11 working together on both sides of the ball. So there's a lot of great sports, but none are so reliant on, Everybody doing their job and the the interrelationship of of all eleven guys having to you know work together to be successful. It, it's it's nice to see that kind of uh, teamwork. Beautiful.
0: Well, Coach Gilbride, Debbie Gilbride, uh, it's been a, a, an absolute pleasure. You've given uh, this podcast so much time. Um, thank you very much for saying yes. Thank you for your willingness. Thank you for your patience with this holy messness. Um, and I, I just appreciate you guys being in my lives, and I hope that we continue to uh, to be in touch. It was great to meet uh, uh, other members. I think I did meet some of your grandchildren when they came for a mass or two, I do believe. And uh, and, and that was great. And also I want to give a shout-out to uh, Trip McCracken and to his family um, uh, because uh, his Yes, I knew his family uh, well, his uh, wife's um, mother from uh, my parish, Mark Roach, and then, um, so there was the connection there with Trip, and then he, I think he's m- married to Beth, and that whole family, yeah. so it just was a very, uh, like a small world thing, it just seemed like it was something that was meant to be, and unfortunately, I mean, obviously, we wish COVID never happened for many more reasons than, you know ending the XFL, but that was a huge thing that, that, you know, really affected your lives and everybody else's life. But I'm grateful for that short experience that I had. I'm grateful for the interaction that I had uh, with both of you. You inspired me as uh lay people who are are very devout and busy. Cause you know, a lot of people out there, they think some people, you know, it's just the, the pre still people think it's just priests and nuns. And, and then I'm like, no, we're just like a tiny percentage of so many other People that are so faithful, and it, the people that go to, to daily mass, like you know, like yourself, those are the people that that inspire me. That's you know th- what keeps me going and energizes me. So I just want to say that I'm grateful, and this is a huge honor. I started this podcast just because I listen to podcasts. I don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, I never went to broadcasting school or anything like that, but. I like it and uh, I thought this would be a great episode. And honest honestly, I think it really was. And it's, it's gonna be great, especially that it's gonna come out Super Bowl week. So I just want to say that I'm very thankful. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you for having us. Yes,
2: thank you for having us. We enjoyed seeing you again.
1: Stay in touch. We gotta get you with another team somewhere.
0: Hey, hey, anytime, anytime. So listen, I'm gonna officially end this now, but then I'll say goodbye to you with, with when the recording's done. Okay. Very All nice. right. Thanks. Yeah!